Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. Glad to have you with us. Hey, good morning, child of Elohim. Hey, Edgar. Hey, Keith. Good morning, Lewis. <laughs> Sherry Payton. I love it. Good morning. She says, that's uh, weird for a minute there. I heard Fridays with the fellows. I turned it off as fast as I could. That's good. No women allowed on Fridays. <laughs> Run. Oh, I love it. Uh, Jay Cubed, welcome. Says, hi there. I'm new to the live streams, but I've been watching quite a bit of CTC content. Glad to be here. Thank you for yesterday's video on the importance of understanding sinful desire. Excellent. Welcome, first-timers. Love to have first-timers on here. Yes, we are continuing our study of Romans, and uh, we're going to get to that in one moment. But just in case my wife happens to jump on here, since it's not Friday... <laughs> She is allowed on here as well. Uh, today is a very special day for me. Today is the uh, 31st anniversary of the day that my lovely wife said I do. And uh, we have had 31 amazing years together. I love her. She's great. She's wonderful. Uh, all of you men, husbands, uh, if you get a wife as good as mine, you are a blessed man indeed. So just a shout out to her on this uh, anniversary day, August 15th. 1992 it was. Seems like a long time ago. Uh, hey, M. Sands, glad to have you with us as well. Thanks, Edgar. Thank you very much for that. All right. So Romans chapter 1. The, the stuff we've been talking about, and we're going to see today especially what happens when, uh, when people reject God. We saw it yesterday with the uh, sexual desire, sexual sin, that kind of thing. We're going to see it in a variety of ways today. Here's something you got to keep in mind all the way through this. Though there is, um, there, there's a, um, uh, a need we feel to draw universal theological conclusions and apply it, which is, which is good. We should apply it uh, to today. And think about the impact this has uh, on, on where we are today. What we have to remember is Paul is making an argument. He's got a purpose, and it's not simply to abstractly communicate truth. He's got a point. He's going somewhere. And at the end today, uh, I'm going to hopefully help you see where this is all going, or at least set you up for tomorrow, okay? So I just wanted to say that, remember, as we study this, this is part of a larger context and point that Paul is making. All right, so God is revealing his wrath, right? We saw that in verse 18, his wrath is being revealed from heaven, and he's angry at men who have the truth of who he is, and they suppress it, and God responds by handing them over. We see that phrase three times. So let's go back a little bit to verse 21. For even though they knew God, men knew God. They knew that he existed. They, they knew he was the creator. They knew they should honor him and give him thanks, but they didn't. That's what he says, right? Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. 
and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. You see the folly, right? They could worship and honor the glorious creator of all things, and instead, they worship men, and they worship birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. It's, it's stupidity. It's folly. Therefore, God gave them over. Right? This is God's response. You give up on him. You, you uh, suppress the truth of who he is. He says, all right, I'm going to hand you over, give you over to these strong desires in your heart to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored. For they exchanged. See that word, exchanged. The truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over. That's the second use of this word. Gave them over to degrading or dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural or literally contrary to nature. In the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now, we covered all of that yesterday. So moving on then to verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Now, before we look at these inappropriate things, I want to point out something here in verse 28. The New American Standard here um, uh, kind of hides, not not intentionally, I don't mean they're trying to deceive, but the the translation here uh, does not capture a play on words that is occurring here in the Greek. Uh, So what Paul's saying literally is they did not approve to have God in knowledge. That's what this phrase here where it says they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Literally, it's they did not approve to have God in knowledge. Now, think about what it means to approve. The the word has to do with testing to approve something. If you were going for a certification in uh, in a in a job, my my daughter can't remember if I shared this all with you or not. A couple weeks ago, my wife and my daughter went down to uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, my daughter is a uh, an American Sign Language ASL interpreter, and she can get certifications, which will give her more opportunity in different uh, different arenas to interpret, and it uh, it's a pay increase as well. So she had to go down to Austin and take two different tests, one on a Thursday, one on a Friday. And if she passes those tests, then she will be approved and certified for uh, greater experience and greater pay. Does that make sense? So the approval comes after you have proven yourself. You've been tested evaluated, and approved. 
That's the idea behind this word. Man did not approve to have God in knowledge. So man looks out at the world that has been created and they tested to see if there is a God and that theory did not pass their approval. So they reject God. That's the idea. This again follows along with everything Paul's been saying where man knows it's true, but they, they suppress that truth and now they go through this approval process and the outcome was, nope, we are not going to certify that there is a God. We are not going to approve of him in our thinking. Uh, therefore, we weren't, we're not going to honor him as God. We're not going to give him thanks. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with the wording here? So man is testing evaluating. Man is pursuing scientifically, if you will, and observing the evidence. And Paul says the evidence is screaming at man that there is a creator God. They ignore the evidence and they reach a conclusion. Nope. No God. So what does God do in response? God gave them over to a depraved mind. Here's a play on words. The same word, the, uh, 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 well, it's not really translated here. Um, the see fit, this is the approval word. Uh, that, that is the verbal form. Here, depraved is the adjectival form. And what Paul says here is God gave them over to a, how do I say it? A, a mind that doesn't approve things rightly. So because they use their mind to disapprove of God's existence, God gives them over to a mind that no longer has the capacity to render right judgments. God says, okay, if you're not going to use your mind rightly, then I'm going to remove your ability to approve things rightly. Use it or lose it. Megan says, who is man to approve God? Um, I'm not sure what, what you're asking there. I'm just telling you what Paul says. Uh, do, do you do you not see that when God creates the world, he wants us to evaluate and, and recognize that he did create it and then give him the worship that he uh, deserves? Um, that question sounds to me like it comes more from theologians than it does what we're talking about here. Obviously, at one level, we have to be careful and not place ourselves above God. But God wants us to reason from the scripture, I'm sorry, from creation, and determine that he is the creator and then give him honor and thanks. That's what Paul is saying. Adam man doesn't do that. 
So man has lost, at least the men that Paul's talking about here, man no longer has the kind of mind that can approve things accurately. And that leads to doing things which are not proper. A child of Elohim says, over to their unbelief. Um, yes, yeah, in a sense. Uh, yeah, they're, they're giving them over to that unbelief and now their ability to make sound judgment on other things is corrupted. Prepped for Eternity says, this is striking. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly makes you pause for a moment and, and ponder. So, without the ability to think and evaluate and approve what is right and good accurately, what do they do? What are the real world um, consequences of that? Well, look how he describes these men. Being filled with all unrighteousness. That's just a generic, almost comprehensive word of doing the wrong thing, not the right thing. Wickedness. This is the word por pornea, uh, where we get our word pornography, that kind of thing. Uh, probably has here a, a sexual sin uh, connotation. Which makes sense, right? If you, if your mind doesn't work right, if you're not able to evaluate, to approve things that are good, then you have these desires, sexual desires, and you're going to pursue all kinds of uh, perverse things. Yeah, J-Cube says it's interesting how sexual immorality is tied with all these behaviors. Exactly. Remember we talked about this yesterday. Uh, God, God uh, designed the sexual desires of humans to operate in a certain way. We know it was good. He created Adam and Eve. And he says, become one flesh. They're naked and unashamed and, and their sexual pleasure was intended to be wonderful. But then as man rejects God, then those good God-given desires pursue all kinds of perverse things. And, uh, and yeah, J-Cube, I agree. There's an interesting tie-in with rejecting God, losing our mind, <laughs> losing our ability to think well, and leading to uh, sexual perversion. It makes me think, uh, you know, in our day, right, because of evolution, we basically consider humans as no different from animals. Well, animals, by and large, have uh, you know, no sexual discretion. They just act on their sexual instincts, and it's not about you know who my. Uh, we had a, a bunny uh, f a few months ago, and after a short period of time, realized it was just not a good fit. Uh, it was my son's, and so we we gave it away. And uh, the people we gave it to has been have been sending us uh, uh, pictures of all his offspring, and <laughs> he's been siring with uh, several different uh, female rabbits uh, to uh, to create a whole lot more. 
Well, we look at that and we just laugh and we're, you know, my son and I were kind of high-fiving. <laughs> That's our, our legacy there, our, our, uh, our bunny going and uh, becoming this dad with all these women, his little harem. And that's cute and funny, and we laugh, ha-ha, about a, a bunny. There's no sexual impropriety there, but you, I would have a very different attitude if, uh, if that were my son, right? Because there is a difference between animals and humans. And sexual perversion is always the outcome of man rejecting God. Megan says, sorry, I wasn't really asking a question. I just don't understand how people can look at the world and not see God in every part of it. Uh, oh, sorry. So, well, I apologize to you. This is the hard thing with uh, texting, right? It's just uh, with words. Uh, we can't have a conversation. It's hard to know what the intent is. Uh, she says, at what point does God giving someone over become a point of no return? Great question. Great question. Um, and Paul does not answer that here, does he? But uh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Apologize for, uh, for redressing you. I should have asked for a clarifying uh, question first. So man is filled with all wickedness, greed. How often do we put that on the list of great wickedness? Greed. Greed. Not, you know, wealth building is good. If you're with us, Fridays with the fellas, not not you, Sherry <laughs> or Megan. Um, uh, we've talked a lot about building wealth. Building wealth is good, but greed is evil, and there is a distinction between those two. And I think we don't often associate greed with the mind that is no longer capable of evaluating and approving what is right. And evil, here's another word that's, uh, it's kaka in the, uh, in the Greek. It's just a generic uh, word for evil. Full of envy. So people are not only want more, but they want what you have, want what somebody else has. Murder. Strife. Again, kind of like greed, strife. People who go around picking fights. People who... Um, Want to make us look at each other through the lens of race or gender or class or sexual orientation or any other category they can make up to cause strife and dissension among men. You do realize, right, that is what uh, the West is seeking to do, especially here in the U.S., find any way to cause division and strife among humans. Everything is about race, gender, class, those kind of things. They are trying to make us hate each other, causing strife. That's what depraved minds do. Deceit. Malice, another general word for um, seeking to hurt one another. Gossips. It's on the list. People who love to talk about others with an intent to malign their character. 
slanderers. How many different ways can I get on social media and, and speak poorly of, of you? That, that, that mentality. Haters of God. Haters of this God they say doesn't exist. Insolent, that means boldly disrespectful. Arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Think of all the technological advances that God has blessed us with. You know, I talk about this a lot. Here I am looking into a camera and somehow using ones and zeros, I'm able to talk to you all over the world and we can discuss God's word. It's a wonderful gift of God for mankind. And that doesn't count, uh, you know, air conditioning and heating and indoor plumbing and all that, uh, just countless benefits we have in our day. And yet how much of this technology is used for great wickedness? Cameras, internet, video, uh, social media, right? Nuclear power. It's probably the greatest source of energy mankind has ever seen. And if we would just use it, we could end poverty. It's also capable of destroying human life. Inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. Think about how fast our society is encouraging disobedience to parents. Without understanding, untrustworthy. How many people in your life do you really trust? How many people do you really count as trustworthy? Unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, see, he comes back to this, they know. They know that God exists and they know it is right. Although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. Minds that are incapable of rightly evaluating what is good are not only practicing these wicked things, but they cheerlead those who do it. And they know it all is worthy of death. Now it looks like my monitor has abandoned me. Let me see if I can pull it back real quick because it looks like there's some all right, comments that came in. All right, cool. That's what happens. That's what happens when man rejects God, when they don't evaluate things rightly. He says, all right, I'm going to remove your ability. I know what some of you are thinking because I'm thinking it too. I look at my nation, the United States, and I go down this list 
here, verses 29, 30, 31. And I think it's like the Apostle Paul is writing this today in the U.S. These are our politicians. These are our, this is our president, our vice president. So many in Congress. True here at the local level for me in Colorado. Georgia. California, New York. I mean, it's just, it, it's like he's riding to the United States of America. And like he's just observing how we act. And he's going down the list. Are you with me? Do you see that? Do you see how wicked so many people are in the U.S., in Canada? Do you get that? I'm sure you do. Now, I'm going to do, uh, wrap this up with this and uh, we'll come back tomorrow and pick it up. But I told you at the beginning, Paul is not simply teaching an abstract theological doctrine about the depravity of man. If you agree with me that our people are corrupt, that our nations are corrupt, if you agree with me, if you look out and you see all of this and say, yes, that is evil, that is wicked, that's awful, then you just fell into Paul's trap. He set a trap for you and you fell into it. And remember, he is writing to a church that is being infiltrated with Jewish thinking. And he has to teach the Christians in Rome the gospel face to face with the Jews trying to persuade them to be circumcised, to keep the law, to basically become Jewish. And he just set a trap, which we will look at tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. We will see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday. Take care.